Hello and welcome to Origin Compass. Today we have a slightly different episode. We're going to be hearing the story of a producer from Nicaragua. His name is Edwin Duarte. And to help introduce this podcast, uh, this story, I have Maria Isabel Vasquez, who is our marketing uh, coordinator here, based in Bogota. And she's going to tell us a little bit about how we came across this story. Hello, Rory. Hey, Maddie. I'm glad to be here again. Well, thank you for coming back. So, as you know, we sell... Um, in our Caramela portfolio, we sell colectivos and we sell single farm Okay. So colectivos, we're ready. We've, we've been there. We did a podcast uh, speaking about our objective and our mission with all these colectivo projects. And now we're here to talk a little bit about single farmer lots. So we do sell single farmer lots from each one of our origins where we work. So we do provide, when we sell these coffees, we do provide all the story, all the technical information about the farm, all the traceability and everything. So what happened with this producer, um, I received a request about creating a brochure. From, for this. from who, who did you get the request from? This came from Australia. Okay. Um, so as usual, I contacted our PECA team in Nicaragua, this, in this case, and I request to do an interview with a series of, it's like 15 questions. Okay. Like 15 questions about his life and about his family and everything. And well, I received this interview when it was already done. And while I was creating their brochure, I was like, Whoa, come, everyone come and see this story. It's like, of course, all the stories are beautiful and all the stories have that unique thing. Mm -hmm. Every producer, every single producer have their unique story and their unique thing and their unique stories to tell and they have passed through their unique things in life. But this producer... That is quite a story. So I show Rory the story. Like <laughs> you can't believe this. And we decided to make it a podcast yeah. and to tell the story to all of you. Yeah. So like this this is what happens. As Maddie says, to make the brochures we do need a lot of information and the Pekka team help us out with that. But in this case the story was uh, a little different. So we decided to ask uh, Anna Sofia, who is our relationship builder based in Guatemala. Um, to come and uh, help us out a little bit and so she went to visit Edwin and did a slightly longer interview and a bit of a longer chat and uh, we edited this down it's been translated and re-recorded so we really hope you enjoyed the story and um, yeah here it is my name is Edwin Duartes I'm 42 years old and I was born on El Volcán Yali in Nicaragua I'm from the coffee-growing family. My parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents had a huge coffee farm. One could say that I was born in a situation with little to worry about. We had around 700 hectares of coffee, but in the 80s, during the war in Nicaragua, we were forced to abandon the land, and this ultimately resulted in us finding ourselves homeless and on the streets. We went from having everything we had ever needed to practically nothing, not even a roof over our heads. With little options in terms of where to go and what to do, we moved to the capital Managua. 
There I stayed with my grandparents on my father's side. They were very strict with me, especially my grandmother. And my grandfather, well, he was more a man of advice. In fact, even now, a man of 94 years, he still loves to give me life advice. How to be a good man. What he always tried to teach me. During this time, I didn't really have the opportunity to study. We didn't have much, and really, instead of studying, I worked in the streets selling newspapers, grilled mazorca, and enchiladas. Typical things from Nicaragua, and through this, I survived and I could help out my mother. My father was in the military at this moment. There was really not much else one could do. Life in my country at this time was the military, and so I had to be my mother's support. Growing up, my mother would tell me that the old family farm had been originally owned by my great-grandmother, Abuela Concha. She was the grandmother of my mother and was the original owner of the land. She was an aspiring woman who would walk barefoot and was very liberal for the, for the time, the late 1800s. She didn't care much about matters of social class. She was also known for being the best midwife in the area and when anyone was going to have a child, they would search out my great-grandmother as there was no one better than her. My mother doesn't have a very clear memory regarding Abuela Concha as she is the youngest in the family and was too young to speak to Abuela Concha about the history of the farm before she died. So unfortunately, part of the story has been lost. This farm, the land of my great-grandmother Concha, was the 700 acres that were confiscated in 1979 when the war started. A while after this, the line was then split and given out to individuals who were from the area. At this time, there was still a lot of fear about what was going on, so it took a while for anyone to start working on the land. But they eventually did, and with that began, the start of a cooperative made up of small farms that were located on the land that was originally conscious. Many of these people knew who my great-grandmother was, and many years later, I spoke with an older man who was neighbor on this land, and he told me exactly where Concha used to live. At this time, I also started to investigate a little. I did some research into the land rights, and it turned out that all registers of the original owners of the land had been deleted. So there was no proof that the land had belonged to my family. Moving back to my time in Managua, I will never forget when I was around 14. I met a very special person. She is actually now my wife and she came from a very different background, a totally different life and so had much greater opportunity. We were together for a while and around two years later, we had a child together, our first child. I will be the first to admit that I didn't have a very particularly healthy childhood. I was very exposed to drugs and other commonalities that come into play when the streets are the environment where you grow up. The family of my wife had always been unhappy with us being together, and this was for them the last straw. They did not want that kind of influence for the daughter, and so they decided to take action and they sent her to the US. While in the US, I managed to communicate with her through my sister who was also living in the US and we hatched a plan together. 
she started working and little by little saved up enough money to buy a ticket there just one year later. In the year of 2000, I arrived to Oceanside, California. I remember it was a Thursday, the start of my new life. My wife had a job and I met her employer, an Italian who ended up giving me a job in one of his restaurants. I was young when I arrived and so I could assimilate to the culture. I wanted to study, to work, but one day I did want to go back to my homeland and buy a farm. So when I arrived, I started working with this in my mind, with this idea to save up, which is what I did. I started off working in Italian restaurant washing place. There was actually a bit of joke that went around that I have achieved some Latin pride because I must have washed at least a million plates. After a while, I moved up the runs a little and became a buzzer, cleaning up after people have finished eating and running the food out to the tables. About three years later, after I had been studying in the Costa College in California, which I had an English program for undocumented people, I finally felt more capable and my employer asked me if I would want to be a server and obviously I say yes. He treated all the workers very well and he told me that I could work the hours that I wanted. One thing I did offer was that I wasn't like the other servers. Many of them, they were just looking for a temporary gig and would come and go, but I had been there for the long run. Not only this, I was interested in everything. When I was cleaning the tables, if there was something that needed to be done in the kitchen, I would do it and this is how I learned how to do everything. I had, I had been there for a while and was dedicated to the job. I found really interesting that the children of wealthy people, of doctors and lawyers, will also work in restaurants, something that would never happen in my country. I work more with North Americans than Latinos, so this helped me with learning the language and with me losing the embarrassment that the majority of language learners feel. And with my wife, we started to celebrate American holidays like Thanksgiving. We were very accustomed to work and save and try almost to never spend. I was lucky that my salary was quite good as by this stage I had been promoted to manager of the restaurant. Right from the bottom, I had worked all the way to the top. Everything changed a little when my daughter was born. I didn't want her to grow up stuck inside an apartment and started to dream a bit about going back to Nicaragua. I had lived for six years in an apartment and I never knew the name of my neighbors. This sort of thing just doesn't happen in Nicaragua. It's not the same culture and although I appreciate many things about US culture, I did miss these certain types of things. It's not like that in Nicaragua where you know everyone and say hi to everyone. This is something beautiful. After many years working in the restaurant, in 2013, I decided to return to Nicaragua with a little money to invest. I always loved the countryside, the rain, when it's raining in the countryside, things like that. I returned back to the place where I was born. It was a place I loved and I always wanted to go back to, but I could never do so. This older man, who I mentioned before, the one who had told me where Concha used to live, he had bought 16 small lots and he put them together to make a larger farm, which he eventually sold me. When I arrived to this farm, initially it was in terrible state of disrepair. 
even the house was almost unfit to live in. At the moment of buying, I knew nothing about coffee, but it made me excited to see the land there, to see the farm that I had dreamed of owning. I didn't focus on the fact that I didn't really have a house or space to house workers or beneficiary area. I didn't think about any of this. So I started to look at what I was going to do and my father said that he will help me and the first year he took me through all the processes. We did have a few issues finding workers as in this area. Everyone has their own plot of land that they are working on, so nobody wants to work for anyone else. But we widened our search and found some people who still come to work on the farm today. For me, when you have a coffee farm and you are producing a specialty coffee, a lot of the resulting quality has to do with the people working in the land. If they do not take care of what they are doing, the quality will suffer. For this reason, I created a friendly environment on the farm. I offer quality meals and a comfortable place to stay, and I will also pick up workers and drop them off to where they needed to go after the harvest. This approach is something I learned from my employer and friend in the US, whose kindness and respect allowed me to grow. By 2016, my farm had bourbon, a little catuai, and also marigo hippie and caturra. I like a lot the caturra, but I decided to enter the cup of excellence with marigo hippie and I won with a cup score of 88 point something. I can't remember exactly. I felt very proud as there were other better known farms that ran below me and many people were asking where it came from. For me, this competition can feel a bit like a mafia. Everyone there knows each other who's going to be there, who has good coffee, who has the nicest fincas. This award motivated me even more for the following harvest. At the moment, I am working on renovating my farm. I am hoping to keep my production steady, but by 2022-2023, I want to have a completely new farm. I have faith that with these priorities and with hard work, I will be able to achieve great things. If you don't have the passion and faith, you don't have anything. Faith will give you passion. It is important for everything. When I'm on the farm, the workers see me going about my tasks with interest and passion, taking photos of certain coffee trees that to them just seem like normal trees. But for me, I see a future there and I know that in the future, these trees will look after me economically. I once was poor and I wore on the streets, but it's amazing how quickly you forget this. It is so easy to forget this perspective. Life goes and you forget it. But I will never take for granted what I have now.